Hello, and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. This is Jill Cruz. And today I had a wonderful conversation with Emily Juries. And Emily is a mental health counselor, and she also has a particular challenge with her health that is ongoing that she's been dealing with. So she shares her experience about that. And the amazing thing about this conversation, I think is just so valuable, is that she's a mental health counselor. So when we hear her experience and the things that she learned about herself, it's with such awareness and such clarity. And she struggled just like anybody would with a health challenge. But she has learned so many lessons, but I think it's very interesting to hear about her perspective through the lens of being someone who has knowledge, right, about how we're supposed to deal with things emotionally, right, and with our thoughts. So it is a fascinating conversation to hear her talk about her experience and learning those lessons in a very deep and meaningful way. And the cool thing is that if you have any kind of challenge with your body at all, These are lessons that I think we all will go through. So no matter, regardless of what that specific challenge is, uh, things like feeling isolated, not wanting to share, you know, your personal struggles, the uncertainty, dealing with core beliefs that are very challenging, taking responsibility for what's going on and for your actions and maybe how you didn't respond in the best way to certain situations, right? Looking inward and overcoming a lot of the anxiety and shame and those core beliefs that don't serve you with some very interesting lessons around appreciation and self-love and connecting with your body you know, stepping stepping back a little bit and looking at things from a little bit more of a mindful perspective. So all of that stuff we talk about. So this, this I love this podcast episode because I think it's, it's really applicable to 100% of people. <laughs> like if you're human, this is applicable to you. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. Hello, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. So today I wanted to uh, explore a topic with you that we've talked about actually on the podcast before, but I know that you've had a specific challenge in your health of your life, and that is around infertility. Uh, which I think is such a such a pertinent topic, whether our listeners are still in the zone of wanting to have babies or they have siblings or children or grandchildren even who are in that zone. So we have talked about it on the podcast, actually, but I would love to hear, tell us about your story and, and the lessons that you've learned. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that's so important about infertility is how like, the issues I think that come kind of mentally and emotionally are so important and highlight like this big issue with how we face and acknowledge, you know, our mental and emotional challenges. You know, for me, like the first, when I first started trying to get pregnant, it was like an unspoken sort of like agreement between my husband and I of like, we're just not going to tell anyone which is interesting in itself, right? Like, what is that? Like, like, we didn't even have to say it. Like, we didn't even have to like sit down and say, so do we want to tell anyone? Like, no, like it, we didn't even have to say it. Like, it was just an unspoken thing of like, 
we're not going to tell anyone that we're trying. And that in itself is like, what was going on there? Mm. You know, why was I like immediately in this place of like not wanting to share that? And so you think about like, you know, looking back now in the moment, I wasn't really thinking and paying attention to that. But looking back now, and how the journey kind of turned into this really like isolating journey for me, it was like, oh, like, that's where it started was this immediate sense of like, well, I don't want to tell people maybe because I don't want them to know how long it will take us to get pregnant. Or I don't want to tell people because if we're not able to, then, you know, if we're not able to get pregnant, then maybe that means something, you know, really flawed about me or my husband or us as a couple, right? right. It's kind of like, it's likely those types of fears that were keeping me from wanting to share that important part of my life in the first place. And then that just sort of created this whole experience of feeling pretty isolated, you know, in this infertility journey from the start. It wasn't until over a year of trying that I finally told the people closest to me, just like my mom, you know, and my sister. And so I was just very like alone in it. Like, yeah, I had my husband, I had my partner, but you know, it's not quite the same when you're still like being around your family and being around your friends and you're kind of just like having all these feelings that you're keeping to yourself. And if you're only talking to your partner, like sometimes like that is really tough because then you're leaning on them so much for this like heavy support. And so it just, it really turned into this really like isolating experience. And then as I slowly started opening up to my mom and my sister, and then, you know, several months later, I was able to open up to some of my friends and you know, now here I am talking about it on a podcast. And just like the more that I do talk about it, the less isolated I am. And the more that I realize, one, either a lot of other people are experiencing this, and it's nice not to feel alone. But two, I just have more support, you know, even though a lot of people close to me haven't experienced this, you know, they're very supportive, you know, I'm very fortunate to have that kind of support. And I'm really glad that I've been taking advantage of that support as opposed to, you know, isolating it and building up my own anxiousness, building up my own shame, you know, trying to hide and assume that like, oh, infertility means like, there's something deeply wrong with me as a person and my body isn't working, you know, the way it's supposed mm. to. And, you know, those thoughts are really hard to kind of overcome. And those thoughts can make it really difficult to feel energized, feel uh -huh. happy, feel grateful, right? Like all of these important parts of well-being were really stunted because I had all this built up anxiousness and shame that I hadn't been getting support with. Yeah, wow. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think we could, yes, this is a very specific situation, but that is definitely something that could be generalized to many, many issues, right? It could be, oh, my my marriage is not going well and I don't want anybody to know. I think that's probably a common thing, <laughs> right? Because yeah. if then it's like, I love how you related it right back to the shame around, oh, are people going to think there's something wrong with me? 
that I'm not mm-hmm. good enough. And that I feel like is like at the core of so many of our problems <laughs> as human beings. It's like, what is everybody going to think of me? And it's so silly when you think about it though, right? Because everybody has that. I mean, some people have worked through it more than others, right? So they're they're more of an open book, but I, we all have that. I don't know, maybe not. I mean, you're the expert on this, but I think that I've seen it a lot throughout my life. I'm 52 years old. I've seen a lot of evidence of that, of people feeling like they're not inherently good enough or worthy or just, you know, enough, right? Like that they're flawed. Mm -hmm. And then the suffering for a year, not wanting to talk about it because of that fear of of people thinking that about you. And I'm sorry you went through that. That sounds really rough. A whole year of just keeping all of that to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's definitely hard. It's like looking back, you know, it's like, oh, like if only I had told people, you know, right. if only I had like been more consistent with my own therapist and counseling, you know, if only... But it's like, you know what, I can use that. You know, I'm still in this journey now. I'm still seeking other resources. I'm still learning ways of improving my mindset and, you know, challenging those core beliefs that like, there's something deeply wrong with me and that I'm not enough. And so it's been really helpful to kind of reflect and be feel more empowered. You know, I'm taking that responsibility that like, I chose not to tell people, you know, that was like an action that I specifically chose. And I understand like where I was coming from and what feelings were going on. But I can use that responsibility and accountability to feel more empowered now, you know, now I can, you know, be consistent with my counselor, especially when times are tough, I can Mm -hmm. reach out to my family and friends as support and try to speak out about this issue and how I'm feeling. So we can not be as isolated, we can relate in these different ways. And I can challenge those beliefs of not being enough or something being wrong with my body, you know? Yeah. Is there I would imagine that there's a bit of forgiveness that has to happen in order for you to take that responsibility, because I could see also then someone just piling more stuff on themselves, right? you know, that was stupid. Well, I should know better. I'm, I, as a nutritionist, I've done that with food. Like, oh, mm-hmm. why didn't I know that? I mean, I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing this, this and that, but I did it anyway. And then the next step as human beings is then we blame ourselves, right? And just piling more shame and blame and guilt on top of the <laughs> original shame and uh, suffering. So I'm wondering about that because you said, you know, challenge those core beliefs, so what do you mean by that? So do you do you think that we all, I don't know, maybe you can't generalize about everybody but as a whole, generally speaking, we all come with uh, core beliefs that don't serve us? Yeah, I mean, we all come with, we all have core beliefs, right? So our, our core beliefs are like these like deep seated, kind of like assumptions and thought processes that can be about ourselves. It can be about other people. It can be about the world in general. And usually we have a combination of like ones that are going to be like more constructive and useful and ones that are going to be not as helpful. Mm -hmm. And they basically result as a compilation of everything about our lives, whether it's like genetic stuff, health stuff, Mm -hmm. how we were raised, who was around us when we were growing up, what kind of messages we took in about emotions and feelings and what to do with them. And you know, what our experiences were, what traumas we had, you know, what 
all of these things come together and create these like inner beliefs. Mm-hmm. And most often we're not aware of them. We actually don't know what these beliefs are unless we do some like deep reflective work on how our experiences have culminated and, you know, how our automatic thoughts, like where they might be coming from. So it does take a lot of work to kind of figure out like, yeah, what are my beliefs that are kind of deep seated and and culminating? For some people, they're a little more obvious. Like some people might like feel like a failure all the time. And that's Mm -hmm. like something that they just frequently feel. That's an example of like a core belief that's probably not very constructive. Yeah. But yeah, we all have like helpful ones and unhelpful ones. And it takes a lot of work to think through our feelings and process like, okay, what core belief is kind of connected here? You know, and so for me, like not being good enough was a big one. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've always had some issues with like being smart enough, being creative enough, you know, being successful enough, right? Me too, like, me all, too. <laughs> yeah, like struggling with like, and so that's like your sign, like when it's specific, you mm-hmm. can also like tie it back to like, okay, so in general, I have mm-hmm. this belief and issue that I'm not enough. And so it takes a lot of work to kind of like, just be aware of it and notice it. Mm-hmm. And then try to kind of pick it apart a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like, in what ways am I actually not enough? In mm-hmm. what ways am I actually enough? you know, and kind of processing through that, that challenge for yourself again and again, because it is a Mm -hmm. practice Mm -hmm. to be able to sort of pick that apart. You know, something I've been doing recently related to my fertility journey is like with my mindset work, I've just been using mantras Mm -hmm. of just as soon as my brain starts to go in like a negative direction of like something being wrong, I just turn to a mantra and I just start repeating, you know, I am whole, I am enough, I am abundant, I am fruitful, right? And I just have these like mantras that have resonated with me for this journey. And that's been extremely helpful in steering me away from the negative and then being able to just come back to these mantras that resonate and and feel right in my body. Yeah, it's funny because I was just about to ask you. I, I, was, I think I have two questions. One is, what do you think about mantras? And you and you just went right into it before I asked you. So I, I love mantras too. I think it's like the mind is sort of like a two-year-old toddler. You know, sometimes it feels like like it's just all over the place. And you know, you got to come in and kind of rein it in and say, no, 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 don't go that way, go this way. And so the mantras are are great for that because it it just shuts mm-hmm. down the chatter. You know, it just it really does. So I love that you brought that up because I think it's a powerful tool. And also the other thing I was thinking, it's interesting how this is a belief that I have, which I talk about a lot, is that I believe that we, we are presented with these challenges in life. We have this choice, right? We can either just be miserable and do nothing about it and just suffer in silence, maybe kind of what <laughs> you went through for a while. And maybe we do that anyway, right? That's pr- probably part of the journey. But then eventually, you know, we can choose to see the challenge as a learning opportunity, as opposed mm-hmm. to my genetic, I got the wrong, I was dealt the wrong hand or, you know, whatever it is, I'm unlucky, I'm not good enough, you know, all of these things. And yeah, we can think those things, but ultimately, if you want to make that change, or actually, if you want to be happy, Mm -hmm. 
maybe, you know, maybe you don't solve that problem ever, but at least while you're going through it, you're not miserable. And I think the way to do that is, is like you said, you know, the awareness, but then also recognizing that this is an opportunity for me to learn a lesson in my life. Mm -hmm. I call them, I call them big, beautiful lessons. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a big shift from like, this really like anxious place of like uncertainty of like, is this going to happen for me? When is it going to happen for me? How yeah. is it going to happen for me? And so there's all this like uncertainty that kept me like really stuck and anxious. And I did try, you know, I, as a therapist, like I did try to like use my coping skills and manage the anxiety. And I think I was able to keep it somewhat manageable because of that. But what was really empowering was kind of like making this shift from like getting kind of stuck in that uncertainty. And then like a lot of times my answer was kind of like, okay, well, I'll just like come to the present moment, you know, as best I can. But the problem with that is like in the present moment, there was still all of this like, I don't know, uncertainty and unpleasantness and discomfort, which is fine. It is good to tolerate that and, and practice building our emotional resiliency as well. But, you know, what helped me was kind of coming to a different mindset and place of like, with these mantras, honestly. And so just kind of being more grateful for like my body and everything it can do you know, being really grateful for the life that I do have. Um, and like, just being really happy with the things that I do have and like really making that switch to like, you know what, my life is so short and sacred and important, you know, my life is important. And, and I do want to embrace that, even if I am like on this uncertain journey. And so switching that mindset of like embracing the fact that like my life is important, it is sacred, it is special, and I am grateful for what I have and the opportunities that I've been given. And this is, you know, just an opportunity, you know, this is an opportunity for me to learn, it's an opportunity for me to grow, it's an opportunity for me to be, you know, have a, another level of understanding to relate with other people going through it. It's an opportunity for me to experience new levels of anxiety that I hadn't experienced before, which again, <laughs> like really relates to a lot of people. Like a ton yeah. of us experience really high levels of anxiety, especially ever since, you know, the pandemic. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I can relate on these new levels with other people because of this challenging experience, which is helpful for me in my work, of course, but it's helpful for me in life. You know, it's helpful for me in connecting with people. It's helpful yeah. for me in prioritizing like my relationships that I do have and mm. prioritizing my relationship with my own body, you know, increasing my respect for my body, increasing my care for my body, increasing my gratitude for my body. So that was a really important mindset shift both related to like learning using it as a challenge and you know related to just being more grateful for you know all the things that I do have and the ways that I want to be you know trying to live my life yeah wow that's incredible i have to say emily everything that you're talking about i feel like really relates to so a lot of the clients who we work with are people who have struggled with their weight 
and with their relationship with food and their bodies for a long time. I feel like, you know, take out the word infertility and put in another, you know, word, whatever you would call it, struggling with body image, struggling with appreciating your body, struggling with being at a weight that feels comfortable to the per individual. All of the stuff that you're talking about is extremely, it sounds very familiar. You know, that that necessity, I wrote down so many notes, you know, that necessity of appreciation, appreciating your body and being grateful for all the wonderful things that it does do. I talk about that all the time. And I think our minds just unfortunately are are hardwired to kind of look for the stress, look for the worry, like uncertainty also is a fantastic word. You just don't know how it's going to turn out. And a lot of women have spent a lot of time, money, effort, and heartache on trying to lose weight just as many women have have gone or families have gone through that in trying to conceive. So it's like uncertainty piled on top of doubt, right? It's like, oh, this, this has been really hard and it's just going to keep being hard. So it's, you know, to now pull in appreciation is it's a little bit of a tall order, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, it's so relieving. I, I know for myself and my own personal work, just to be able to to know that, you know, stuff is not going well over here, but I can always turn over here. And for me, the one thing that I use a lot is, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful that I have children, that they're healthy, you know, like having healthy children, like having children, having healthy children, that's like, you know, probably the easiest thing for me to go to after my dog, of course. (laughs) You know, sometimes you can find appreciation in very simple things, about your body. Like sometimes I'll just say, you know, thank God for my feet. Like my feet do a lot. Actually, I do that a lot Mm -hmm. in meditations with groups. I say, you know, let's just give some love to our feet. They're kind Mm of taken for granted a lot. So just finding those, those simple things that are, that you really take, take for granted, I think in life, a a lot of us, right? You get caught up in the day-to-dayness of life and you forgot to forget to stop and say, wow, I have a beautiful relationship with my husband or like you were talking about, you know, appreciating your relationship with your, with your mom and your siblings and stuff like that is just easier than I think trying to have like false positivity, which I'm sure you, you know, is out there, right? It's like, you know, just suck it up and just pretend things are going well. And it's like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) That's like not possible for me because my intellect is over here going, wait a minute, things aren't going well. So I'm not going to try to pretend they're not, you know, mm-hmm. that's like that false reality stuff. So anyway, those are my thoughts <laughs> on what you just yeah, said. I think that false positivity is so huge, you know, especially when you're thinking about like mantras. You know, one thing I had mentioned with my mantras is like how important it was to find ones that resonated with me. And like, that's something I'm always talking about with my clients is that like mantras aren't about like yeah. just forcing this new belief on yourself. They're about like finding phrases that resonate, that feel calming and soothing in your body to give your brain, you know, that track to be on. And it's the same with like appreciating, attempting to like appreciate and be grateful for different aspects of your life. You know, that Mm -hmm. was, that was a process for me. That was a journey, you know, actually doing yoga for me was like an Mm -hmm. important part of that process of, you know in the beginning, maybe not really being happy with my body, being kind of angry with it for it not doing what I wanted it to do. And and then engaging in yoga actually was one of the things where like, I at first wasn't like 
necessarily trying to just say like, oh, I appreciate my body. I'm grateful for my body. Mm-hmm. I just was kind of like doing the movements. I was just like doing some yoga for some exercise. But over time with the experience, I I learned to really appreciate my body for what it can do. And I just was starting to build this like closer relationship with my body, you know, yeah. more awareness of how it was feeling, what it was doing, what it was signaling to me, what mm. it was saying to me. You know, it really just like deepened my relationship and my closeness with my body. Mm. And so then that made it easier for me to really appreciate it and have yeah. gratitude for it yeah. and recognize all the things that it is doing to try to serve me. And so it definitely is like a process and it is so important to find things that resonate and feel right and not like forcing, you know, these like positive thoughts that don't mean anything and sometimes make us more angry and frustrated, right? So Yeah. Yeah, it almost contributes to that not enough thing. Like if you started walking around going, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, you know, like I could see someone being like, well, that's a positive thought, right? Like manifest the pregnancy by just saying you're pregnant. Well, you know, you're not, well, maybe, maybe sometimes you're not sure, but like, I, it just doesn't seem like, it seems like it would be then lead to disappointment, <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if you aren't pregnant. I think that resonating is very important. And that, and I think you just know, like, it just, I know for myself, like I've done both, both of these things with appreciation and with mantras is like, when I say it, or when I think that thought, I, it, I feel relief. I feel that like letting go within. And mm-hmm. I totally get that. And also, I was going to ask you, I'm glad you mentioned the yoga, because I was going to ask you about meditation, because, you know, yoga is really a meditation. So that for me has been very powerful. And I always recommend it to all of our clients. Because it's kind of like thought discipline, right? Meditation, it it, it trains you to be more aware, to be more mindful, to be more in control of your thoughts and more present. And also, I I love what you said about how yoga kind of brought you to a more loving, close relationship with your body. That's that's amazing. That's a plug for yoga right there. (laughs) But I was going to ask you about that. Like, do you meditate and do you recommend to your clients some form of meditation or yoga? Yeah, I, I meditate. I'm, I'm not like perfect about it by any means. I certainly like fall yeah. off the habit and, and, you know, fall out of it. But, you know, I try to like keep up with it. I, I do it daily mm-hmm. if possible. You know, a lot of times it ends up happening like only on weekdays or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I highly recommend it for all those reasons you mentioned. It's, it's such a key practice to help give you a little bit of distance from your thoughts and feelings so that you don't become like so engulfed and consumed mm. and reactive to your thoughts and feelings. Yeah. It's so helpful for that, you know, that practice of like, okay, let me practice just like slowing down and just observing what's happening without any judgment so that I don't become just like consumed by everything that I'm experiencing. Um, we just need to give ourselves a little bit of distance and we need to just slow things down just a little bit And it gives us so much room to then choose how we want to respond. Like all of our feelings are valid and allowed to be there. All of our thoughts are coming in and out just like nature. You know, it's just another Mm -hmm. part of nature. But if we're paying attention and we're observing it and we have a little distance from it, we have so many options of how to deal with it. Whereas if we don't have that distance and it's consuming us, 
we feel trapped and suffocated. And it's really hard to make a decision on where to go when we're in that trapped, suffocated state. So I think meditation is huge. And um, a recent like little course that I did on the 10% Happier app was on loving kindness. And I know a lot of people who like hear loving kindness and they're kind of like, you know, (laughs) but I will say like, I thought that course was excellent. And I noticed like a significant change in me being able to just like feel happier for other people's successes. Mm -hmm. You know, like for me, especially, it was, of course, a trigger to like hear about people being pregnant, see people with their pictures of their new babies, right? Those used to be pretty like emotional triggers for me. But now I can look at them. And because of my practice with loving kindness meditation, which goes towards yourself first, and then goes out towards other people. It's like, I can just look at them and I feel happy for them. I'm happy for them. Yeah. And and that has really shifted my mindset as well is practicing that loving kindness meditation towards myself, towards people I care about, towards people where I kind of have some conflict with, and then towards all beings everywhere. Um, Mm. And so that loving kindness meditation was really helpful for me as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I was just thinking, I was like, you know, I talked about my children and I'm like, oh, should I have said that? Was that the wrong thing to say? Just being totally honest after I said, I was like, oh, you know, but then I was like, well, I, I, that is something that I think about a lot, you know, so I was just being honest, but I'm glad that you mentioned the loving kindness and that, and those triggers, because I can imagine that's, that's a really big thing because people have kids all over the place, right? (laughs) You can't, you can't avoid that trigger at all. But I talk a lot about the nervous system and, and from, from a biochemical biological perspective is that when our nervous system is calm, then everything hums better. Everything works better. So having that appreciation, that mindfulness, that loving kindness, that connection, appreciation for your body, that's all improving the function of your nervous system, which Mm -hmm. then improves your overall health right? So fighting it and being miserable about it, it certainly doesn't help in the process, I'm sure. Uh, I know there are people who might, doctors who might say, well, that's a little woo-woo, but I don't know. I've seen some pretty miraculous and heard some pretty miraculous things around just calming the nervous system and how that affects people's health. Plus, Mm -hmm. again, you're just happier in the process if you're like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One last question I want to ask you about, have you, so you're a therapist and do you now, have you over time decided that you want to help people in this, like there must be so many women and, and, you know, couples out there suffering with this type of isolation and, you know, not being able to talk about it and stuff. Have you thought Mm -hmm. about kind of directing your practice in that direction or? Too definitely, soon or? <laughs> definitely, definitely is one of the specialties for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, you know, now that I have so much of my own experience with it, there's a lot of different pieces to it that I can really understand. And I can, I have an understanding of like the different options that you might be considering and the different things that go through your head. And, you know, so I would love to like be a resource to other people, you know, whether it's just like my friends or clients or couples. Um, absolutely. I'm definitely, you know, starting to now feel like comfortable and competent mm-hmm. and ready to to help other people on this challenge as well. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. Well, we, we will share your information after the podcast for sure. For those of you, what state are you in? I'm in North Carolina. 
In North Carolina. Okay. So this has been incredible, Emily. I really, really appreciate your time and the wisdom here, the hard earned, I find myself saying that a lot on this podcast, it's hard earned wisdom, you know, (laughs) it's like you can learn these concepts as a therapist and learn them when you're studying stuff. But when you have to experience them, it's like, whoa. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I appreciate all of the wisdom that you've shared with us, because I really do think it's applicable to every human being, honestly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Wasn't that amazing? I really enjoyed that conversation with Emily. And I think that, like I said, it's really applicable to so many of us or all of us. So uh, if you want to learn more about Emily, she is a mental health counselor in North Carolina. So if you're in North Carolina and you want to connect with her, especially if you're someone who or you know someone who has been struggling with fertility issues, because obviously she has really discovered some incredible mechanism for coping with this ongoing situation. So definitely check out Emily. Her website is juriescounseling.com. That's her last name, juries, J-U-R-R-I-E-S. But that link will be in the show notes. So you can just click on that and get over to her website. And also, as always, I do recommend that you check out our website, which is winweightloss.com. That's W-Y-N weightloss.com. It's so funny because so many of the things that Emily was talking about, just like I mentioned in the podcast episode, are things that we we talk about with our clients all the time. You know, those self-sabotage thoughts, uh, dealing with shame, rewriting and telling a different story, connecting with your body, being more mindful and aware, the self-love piece, right? All of this stuff is, is stuff that, that we talk about. So, if you're listening to this podcast episode and going, yeah, you know, that that's all important. I think that's part of what's going to be part of my journey. Then check us out. Check out the blog, which is on winweightloss.com. And also you can join our love challenge, which is an ongoing, completely complimentary challenge that you can join through our community platform. So check that out. And of course, all the links are in the show notes. <music>